God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You're the only God.
All right, we, we welcome you to the Lord's house, and we're uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, and this morning, be verses 46 through 49, Luke 24, 46 through 49. If you're here in person, there's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements, and if you're watching online, a lot of the uh, outline will be on the screen. So read along with me, uh, Luke 24, 46 through 49, obviously coming to the book, the end of the book of Luke, and these are in this section here are some instructions that he, that Jesus gives to the church before he ascends, before he, before he leaves in in person. So um, here we go, verse forty six. And he then he said to them, Jesus said to them to his disciples, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is, this is important. It leads right into the next verse. It was, he had to die and raise again the third day. And, and I could, you could say so, so that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So there's the first thing that he's, the instruction that he's left for us as disciples that repentance and remission of, of sins should be preached. So that's what we do. The second one, and you are witnesses in verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. So there's the second thing. The first one is to preach repentance and remission of sins. The second one is that you are witnesses. Similar, but not exactly the same thing. You are witnesses of these things. Now the third thing will be in verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I'm not going to cover all three. I'm just going to cover the first one, and that's in verse 47, the, uh, the ins instruction to us to preach uh, repentance and remission of sins. Next week, if the Lord wills, we'll look at being a witness and waiting for the Holy Spirit. So for, for right now, for today, we're just going to look very closely at verses 46 and 40, 47. The Jesus must die, must be raised again the, the third day so that repentance and remission of sins could be preached. I uh, read a lot in other English translations, and when I looked at uh, the statement the phrase repentance repentance and remission of sins we preach repentance a lot most of you know this i'm not going to spend a lot of time because we have preached this so much that repentance is a change of mind it's a change of heart where you were going to go one way you turn around and go the other it's a change it's a turnaround that's repentance if you haven't turned around if you haven't changed you haven't repented but the but the remission of sins uh, most English translations will just say, simply say forgiveness, and that's, and that's true. We're repentance and forgiveness of sins. But in the New King, New King James that I have and some other translations, leave that word remission in there. Now, remission of sins, we don't use that word a whole lot, and forgiveness does fit. It's accurate. But remission has another thought to it. It's not just forgiveness. Because, for, because forgiveness 
has to come some way. It has to get here some way. There has to be something more to it. And so the remission of sin, so I, I looked it up in the Greek, and the Greek word for remission is freedom. Thus the title of the message to, today, freedom, to be free. So we are to preach remit, uh, repentance, remission of sins, which is forgiveness of sins, and freedom from sin. Now, because that freedom has to come some way. I think most of us understand the idea that forgiveness and to be free, free from my sins. But freedom and forgiveness together does equal, I think, what that word remission means. Freedom that's been paid for. Freedom that's been paid for. It's not just opening the cell door and letting the captive go free. It's not just releasing the slave. But if it's opening the cell door, it is paying the debt that the criminal owes. It's not just opening the cell door. Somebody has to pay the debt. The sin debt has to be paid. For the slave to go free, somebody has to pay the debt for the bond slave. For somebody who's in slavery because of what they owe. Bond slave. Somebody has to pay the bond to let the slave free. So it's not just, hey, you're free. No, it's, hey, you're free because it's been, it's been paid for. Now, Jesus said that for disciples and for the church, that's what we are to preach. And so we try to do that here. We try to do that a lot. I preach about, re, about repentance a lot. I, ex, I explain that, that a lot. We talk about being, being freed from our sin debt a lot. But it's, and I just, I just really want to emphasize that. I think uh, if, you, if you don't emphasize that the debt's been paid on the cross... I think if you don't emphasize that and talk about that, then grace becomes too cheap. Like, oh, well, it's no, no big deal. But it was a very big deal because that's exactly what verse, verse 46 goes into. He had to die on the cross and be raised again the third day so that you can preach repentance and, and remission of sins. So there's a, a, there's a cost to our freedom, and there's a debt that was paid for our freedom. Now, if you're looking at your, at your outline, I think Matt's going to put this uh, this question on the screen. What do you think? Uh, what do you think would make the top two prayer requests? What do you think would make the top two? If this is a small group, you could talk back. You you can't talk back here. I, I know some some of you want to, but what do you think would make the top two prayer requests? Uh, it's not a study that I did. It's not a survey that I did. But I've I've got an opinion. What would make the top two prayer requests? Uh, I think for me, in just uh, my, when I deal with people, deal with the church, uh, the, the first one, the top prayer request is health. Health. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's good. Guarantee you, if I'm sick, I'm going to pray. Guarantee you. So, but the top uh, request in my... Uh, my experience far and away is is health what do you think the second one is now I'm, I, I'm for me I made this one pretty vague if, if the top one is health what do you think the second one? T I tell you what after church tell me what you think it 
thought it was. I'm just going to say help, H-E-L-P, help. Kind of like when Peter was walking on water and then he wasn't. Jesus, help me, help me. Just help. Just, I, need, I need help. You know, we could just go in. There, I, I, I know that's vague, but if we started getting specific, we could be specific all day long. I need help with this. I need help with that. And I promise you, if, if I'm sick and, I need, and I've, got, I've got a health issue, I'm going to pray. And I promise you that if I need help, I'm going to pray, Jesus, help me. Okay, top two prayer, prayer requests. But I want you to think of it in this way. If you read through the Old Testament and then read into the New, you'll find, for instance, in the Old Testament, and I'm picking that out, not because I'm picking on it, but I'm picking that out because that's before Jesus. Before Jesus came, before Jesus died on a cross, the Old Testament. Story after story of people who needed healing, and they were healed. People who had health issues, and they were healed. People who needed help, time and again, story after, after story. God helped me, and they were helped before Jesus came. Jesus doesn't say, now there's nothing wrong with, with preaching about, uh, about a prayer need for help and a, a prayer need for health. Nothing at, 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 at all wrong about that. But that's not here. That's not the instruction. That's not what I'm supposed to key in on. I'm supposed to key in on repentance and remission of sin. Because God can heal you without Jesus dying on a cross. He proved that. God can heal you without Jesus dying on a cross. That's proven. That's Old Testament fact. God can help you without Jesus dying on a cross. Jesus did not need to come and die on a cross to heal you. God did not need that. He was already doing that. Jesus does not need to come and die on a cross to help you. God's already doing that. He doesn't need that. So why did Jesus have to, have to come? Why did he come? Verses 46 and 40, 47 say so. Jesus came and died on a cross for your repentance and for your remission of sin. Jesus came and died on a cross and was raised again the third day to save my soul, not my body and not my help, even as important as those things are, but to save my soul. And that's what we are to preach. I'm supposed to preach that. And next week, I'm supposed to preach that. And that needs to be preached and continually preached until every nation hears it. As far as I'm concerned, it's preached until Jesus returns again. He died to save us from our sin. That's why he had to die. And that's why he did die, to save us from our sin. So that's what we do. We preach that. Now, that means that we over and over, and we'll get into a little bit, of this will carry over a little bit next week when we start talking about witnessing. But when, So we preach to people, that's what we're supposed to do, preach this. Preach to people about their sin. Now listen, this is important, so that's what we do. We preach to people about their sin. Uh, one of the most unpopular things to do, to preach to people about that. We'd rather hear preaching about healing. 
We'd rather hear preaching about God helping. We don't really want to hear preaching about sin. Somebody said, uh, Preacher, I don't mind you preaching about sin. I just don't want you to preach about my sin. I don't want you to preach on my sin. I don't mind, I don't mind you tar- talking about other people's sin. But it's not just me preaching right now. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do right now. But it's much more than that, isn't it? It's where the church talks to people about their sin. Where the church confronts people about their sin until Jesus returns. But, you know, that is just so, and it is, I'll be the first to tell you, that is so uncomfortable. That is so unpopular But that is so biblical that that's our job is to talk to people about their sin. Now, the next question as we go into this, what do you think would make the top three spiritual biblical questions people have? As as you're talking to people, you know, deal with them, whatever, friendships, whatever it might be, what do you think would make the top three spiritual biblical questions? questions people have. I'd be curious after church also what you thought the top three would be. I didn't take a survey. This is just my, my, my opinion. The, the first one is actually not uh, one that I actually talk to people about. It's just what I hear that people have a lot of questions about, and that's the existence of God. Does God even exist? Here's what is, is often asked. Can you prove it? Can you prove that God exists? Prove to me that God exists. I personally don't have a lot of conversations like that, but I, when I read and, and hear what a lot of other people do, prove to me that, that God exists. So, so the existence of God, uh, does God, ex- does God exist? Now, the next two I do deal with a lot. Uh, how can a good God let bad things bad things happen. How can a good God let bad things happen? Now, I'm not giving you the answers to the questions. I'm just saying these are questions that people want to talk about. How can a good God let bad things happen? The last one, uh, after I get to talking to people a little bit, they'll bring this up. What about people who have never heard? What about people who have never heard? And then you can get on to question four and five. Do you notice something about each of the answers? What about the existence of God? Does God exist? Can you prove it? How can a good God let bad things happen? Uh, what about people who have never heard? Have you, do you see a theme when people answer? The answer has... they. They don't want to talk about their own sin. They don't want to deal with that. So they want to get, they want me to talk about something else. Instead of talking about them and what's going on with them. Well, can you prove God exists? You know, that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you. Talking about what's going on with you, your sin. We don't even like to use the word sin, but the Bible uses it. And so we start talking about their sin. Well, uh, how could a good God let bad things, you know, 
every answer is about, and nobody says this, but this is what they're trying to say. Every answer is about there's something wrong with God. There's something wrong with God. How could a good God let bad things happen? What about the people who have never heard? What about the people that God hasn't talked to yet? What about the people that God hasn't gotten to yet? There's something, they never say it, but what they're saying is there's something wrong with God. What they don't want to say is there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me, not God. But that is the answer. There's nothing wrong with God. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with us. But we don't want to talk about that. And so carefully, well, well, what do we do? I'm not sure. That, I'm, I'm not sure how to do it. Just carefully, carefully, lovingly, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Very carefully, you've got to turn the conversation. You know, I'd love to talk to you about the existence of God, but why don't we deal with your sin first? Why don't we deal, in, in, instead of what's wrong with God, can we talk about what's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever said that. You know, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to go to say it like that, but somehow that's what we've, we've got to get the conversation with our loved ones and our friends to talking about their sin because that's what the Bible says to do. I don't know if you've ever heard it like this. I wonder how many people can go to hell happy. I wonder how many people can go to hell healthy. Now, I don't, you're not happy and, and healthy in hell, but I wonder how many people can go to hell happy. Everything's going great on my way to hell. Oh, I'm healthy as I can be on my way to hell. God just, boy, God's blessing me on my way to hell. I don't think that's God blessing you. And never deal with the real issue, which is the real issue with all of us, and that's our sin. For you that's in, you that are in person, you that are you that are watching. I'm going to get re, I'm just going to boil this down to where you can't miss it. You've got a loved one. You've got a friend. You've got a spouse. You've got children, you've got parents, you've got grandparents, you've got grandchildren, you've got somebody that you love, and you're worried about their salvation. I am too. But we can spend so much time talking about their health and their happiness and their help and not really get down to the issue of what makes a person lost in the first place, sin. We don't want to bring it up. We don't want to talk about it. I agree with that. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to talk, talk about it. But the Bible plainly tells us that's exactly what we're supposed to do, is deal with people about their real problem and that sin. And they're going to try to distract you. They're going to try to talk about something else. They're going to try to talk about someone else lovingly, kindly, with a broken heart. Bring them back around. But I'm, I need to talk to you about your salvation. And that, there's no way around it. This is including, we, so we've got to talk about your sin. The problem is not God. The problem is not Jesus. The problem is me.
Now, lastly, I tell you what, I'm going to ask the band to c come on up so, while I've got that on my head. I want to kind of get them in place before I make this last uh, statement. Matt, <clears throat> go ahead and put the quote about the beggars. When we talk about talking to others about their sin, say, well, how do I do that? I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out my, myself. But I think this is one key point. So far, I've been talking about, for the most part, you know, how you talk to others about their sin. But now, I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to think about you. You. You know, I can think of a lot of, I can think of a lot of sin in other people's lives. I, sh I sure can. That's easy to do. But I need, right now, right now, I'm, I'm going to switch and start thinking about the sin in my own life. I think this is key. I think this is key. When I'm talking to someone else about their sin, I've got to let them know somehow. I've got to get through to them. You, you know what? I'm not better than you. I'm, I am a sinner too. And I've had to go to Jesus Christ and ask forgiveness of my sin and I understand that that means that he paid for that sin and that sin is not cheap that grace is not cheap that sin is expensive to pay for but I'm not better than anyone and I've sinned and, and you sin and we've all sinned and I am only a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread I am only a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. Somehow they've got to see in you that you are convinced that you're not better than anybody. And the only difference between a lost person and me is Jesus. It's not because I have less sin. It's not because I'm more righteous. It's because of Jesus. You've got to go to people and talk to them about Jesus with a broken heart. They've got to see that. Or, they're just, or they think you're just there to talk down to them. You've got to go to people and talk to them about Jesus with a broken heart. You've got to go to people and talk to them about Jesus and let them know they've got to see that you love them, that you care for them, that this is breaking you their lostness. But this is what we are to do. Jesus said, because of my death on the cross and raising again the third day, the church is to go and preach repentance and remission of sins over and over and over because that's the real problem. That's the real problem. So right now, for this invitation time, there's two things. I'm going to ask the church to stand. And there's, there's two things we're going to pray about. First one is... I am broken for someone else. I am broken for someone else. I am concerned about the salvation of someone else. I am and I'm going to come and pray about that. The second part of that, it may be the same, it may be, may be different, is this morning I need to spend some time coming. I'm 
probably need to pray about somebody else, but what I really need to pray about this morning is me, is, is my sin. So if you need to come and pray for someone else and or if you need to just come and pray for you, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Right now, I'm not thinking about the sin of someone else. I'm thinking about mine. This right here is where a lot of times people won't come because we don't want people to know that we've sinned. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Lord, I'm coming to pray for somebody else. And Lord, I'm coming to pray for me. If you need to come and pray this morning, come to a chair. You can kneel, sit or stand. ask you to come and pray.
Treasure you found. 